Thanks, Pastor Gary. Yeah, well, last night was a great night. Lots of fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting old. So, yeah, well, they say officially I'm over the hill now. So that gives you a hint of um, approximately where I am. But uh, yeah, it was a great night, lots of fun. So I'm just keeping this on just to help make me seem young. Yeah, so I remember when we were young, we used to keep these as long as we could. Yeah, so that was the, that was the goal. How long could you keep this on your arm? So it'll probably come off this afternoon, but anyway. It's, uh, I've lasted longer than my kids. They took theirs off. It was a great time. Uh, youth, uh, so let your parents know any youth that are here. On the 30th of August, we're having a bonfire. Uh, that's going to be at our place. So that's going to be a fun night. So we'll pray for at least a dry night so we can enjoy the outside. That's on the 30th at our place. And um, this last week, we've just come to the end of, for the youth, our seven-week word challenge. So about seven weeks ago in youth, we gave uh, our young people the challenge to read through the book of Mark over seven weeks. And so we've come up to the end of this. And so uh, now, if uh, you're here, I know some of them are out there too, if you're finished and you've got your little bookmark to uh, say, yep, I've ticked it off, and a lot of this is done on honesty, uh, Jesus knows. Uh, You go and show Beck today. Beck has a bag full of lovely rewards to go, here you go, you can uh, get your reward. And uh, we also then challenged those, if they kept the journal, we would uh, provide an extra little something to say, hey, we value this. And I know of at least one person uh, who will be getting that today, uh, and there might be a few others too, they just need to let us know. Uh, so I want to encourage that regular habits in uh, people's lives. Habits are important. Uh, Richard Foster, who's written about Christian habits, he talks about Christian habits or spiritual disciplines They put us in a position so that God can transform us. It's not that these make us better Christians because it makes me a better Christian, but it puts me in a place so God can do the work. So whether it's our Bible reading, fasting, prayer, hospitality, there's so many different things we can talk about regarding Christian habits. But they're actions, things we can do in our lives that position us so God can can transform us. Another uh, book I read, uh, a great book I loved, it's called You Are What You Love. And the whole basis of what James Smith writes about in this is that the habits that you do because that's what you love actually help form who you are. So you are what you love. We love to do these habits. We do them because we love them. And in doing them, they help shape and form us in becoming better people. As Christians, we are people of habits of spiritual habits, Christian disciplines, whatever you want to call them, practices. And one in particular I want to focus on today is the habit of reading God's Word. God's Word. We are people of the Word. The Bible is not only the most sold book in the world, it's considered one of the dangerous books to read. So dangerous the Pope has said that you are treated in some countries as if you are hiding hand grenades in your closet. This book tells the story of love. It proclaims a message of peace. Yet, it divides followers, separates families, causes fights, invokes wars. Yet, it is God's word. Mahat Gandhi said, 
You Christians, look after a document containing enough dynamite to blow up all civilization to pieces. Turn the world upside down and bring peace to battle-torn planet. But you treat it as though it is nothing more than a piece of literature. That's pretty hard-hitting, coming from someone who doesn't follow the word. So what is the place of the Bible in our life? What does it look like to live according to God's word? I believe, I'm convinced of this, that how well the word goes in you is how well you go. How well the word goes in you is how well you go. Of the examples we can look at, I've chosen to turn to Joshua, who I'm referring to Joshua today as a man of the word. For me, Joshua is an example of the first generation who had the written word. Now, not the whole lot, if I do it properly, you know, probably that much. (laughs) But the first generation who had the written word, Joshua. What can we learn from Joshua as he represented that first generation who carried, read, obeyed the written word? Joshua means Lord is salvation. And uh, the, the word he had back then was known as the Torah, the way, direction. We're told that Joshua was Moses' aid. In Numbers 11.28, when he's first introduced, uh, in Exodus 17, we read, Moses instructs Joshua, choose some men to go and fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of a hill with my staff of God in my, uh, the staff of God in my hands. So while the victory is clearly the Lord's, Joshua is given some of the credit here, verse 13. So Joshua overcame the Kilimite army with the sword. Then in verse 14 we read, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it. So make sure Joshua hears this. Make sure he gets the word from God, what God has done. So Joshua then accompanies Moses. He accompanies up to the mountain when Moses receives the instructions from God. We're told that Joshua did not leave the tent of meeting. When Moses, the tent of meeting was put outside where God would come down and speak with Moses, Israelites camped over there. Joshua would go into this place and meet with God. Sorry, Moses would. Joshua, we're told, he would stay here at the tent when Moses would hear. Then he would go back and talk to the Israelites. Joshua, we're told, he stayed there. He loved being in God's presence. Joshua, he was one of the spies who was sent into Canaan, along with Caleb. And they were the only two who brought back a positive report. And therefore, the only two of the men who came out, growing adults who came out, the only two who were promised to be able to enter into the promised land, to enter into rest. He journeys with Moses through the wilderness for 40 years. 
And at the end of that time, Moses comes to commission Joshua. And he says in Deuteronomy 31, verse 7 and 23, Be strong and courageous. And then it continues in verse 9. So Moses wrote down this law and gave it to the Levitical priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and to the elders of Israel. And finally in Deuteronomy in chapter 32, verse 46, Moses again speaks to Joshua. Take to heart all the words I have solemnly declared to you this day so that you may command your children to obey carefully all the words of this law. They are not just idle words for you. They are your life. By them you will live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess. Words to Joshua. Joshua, this is God's word. Take it. Live it. Teach it. To the next generation. Then we come into the book of Joshua. Joshua is announced as the new leader. Moses is dead. God speaks to Joshua. And he says at the beginning there, like what we just heard in Deuteronomy, be strong and courageous. He says it three times, be strong and courageous. Just imagine the pressure taking over after Moses. He's the one who led the Israelites out. You know, seeing God do this mighty, marvelous stuff with his staff. Then the one who's been talking to God face to face. Now you're stepping in to take over. You know, to say it three times, be strong and courageous, you know, go, well, he must have been a bit afraid. Yeah, well, I reckon God would have had to say it 77 times to me. (laughs) Taken over after this guy. God speaks. God speaks to Joshua. Chapter 1, verse 7. Be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all, my, the, all, the, all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. God's tells Joshua to be strong and courageous, then be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Joshua's commission is not just a call to lead the people of God, but to personally follow, obey, observe God's law, the Torah. This is the law that was given to him by Moses. This is a similar instruction Moses talked about in Deuteronomy for the future leaders, the kings of Israel. Deuteronomy 17. When he takes, <laughs> when he takes the throne of his kingdom, he is to write for himself a scroll, a copy of this law, taken from that of the Levitical priests. These leaders were to write out for themselves. It is to be with them. And he is to read it all the days of their life so that he may learn to reserve the Lord 
his God and follow carefully all the words of the Lord and these decrees and not consider himself better than the other fellow Israelites and turn from the law to the right or to the left, then he and his descendants will reign a long time over his kingdom in Israel. God's commission continues. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. Instructions to the leaders to obey God's word. Know it themselves. Write it out. That's a good good education, memory, learning process. When you write something down, you're actually taking it in better. That's why it's good to take notes when we're in church. Actually, I've gone back to, rather than doing things on my phone, I've gone back to handwritten. Just for some of the research I've been reading about how handwritten helps process more than using thumbs, thumbs and fingers. God's commission continues. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. God expands on what it means to obey. You can see the connection here back to the instructions to the kings. Do not turn from the right or to the left. Stay in the same direction. Same direction as this law, Torah. This comment kind of draws on the, uh, the idea of the root meaning of the word Torah. Torah, which has been translated as the law, has this idea too connected back to a way, a, a, a linear direction, a way to live. And so don't turn to the right or to the left. Go the way, this way. Jesus said, I am the way. Go this way. Don't get distracted. Obey. Don't turn off to the right. No deviation. Keep straight. That you may be successful wherever you go. Obedience is the way to success. We know the rest of the story. We see the success that happens. But perhaps some of the success had to do with uh, following the one way, obeying Torah. And God continues, keep the book of the law always on your lips. Joshua is not only to obey the law, but he must keep the law on his lips. Speak it out. Know it. To speak it out, you must know it. And to to speak it out, it helps you to know it. Meditate on it day and night. Continuing this thought of speaking, Joshua is told to meditate. Constantly think about it. But it's more, more than that. In fact, this a lot of people connect this to the idea in Psalm 1. Psalm 1, where we read, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the step of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the company of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. This is the habit of a blessed person. You want to be blessed in your life? Meditate on God's law Day and night. You know, to meditate suggests to, uh, to do a small murmur, to, to mutter, to go over and over again. Just a, could be a low, very soft voice, but just to verbally just say things over and over again. 
It's constantly talking about that thing. And in, in, in this context, we're talking about God's word. Unfortunately, meditation being such, it is a powerful practice. It's been hijacked by Eastern worldviews. Where, where I will, not, not knowing too much of their worldviews, I will speak bad of <laughs> their concept in just saying this, where they say, empty yourselves. Oh, and, and I understand there's more stuff going on. But basically, in just a lot still, it's empty yourselves. Well, that's not meditation from what I read here and understanding what this word means. This word is about to repeat, to say, continue to say, blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the step of the camp. Blessed is the man Meditate on God's word day and night. To keep saying it, blessed is the man, blessed is the man. Keep saying that. Keep saying it. Go over, go over. That's meditation. That's meditation. The word continues. So that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Why does it need to be on Joshua's lips? Why does he need to keep meditating constantly? I keep saying it over and over and over again so that he will be careful to do everything written in it. This is how God's law has worked out in our lives. By knowing it, by repeating it, by saying, by, by saying it's constantly in our head, in our mind, and then outlived in our lives. If knowing in your head is not lived out, I would say it's not really known. Then, God says to Joshua, then you'll be prosperous in and successful. Now, this is not necessarily a formula for success. You know, as Luke shared communion, we're going to have challenges. But we can stand on God's word, knowing that he will carry us through those challenges. And while there is a connection, yes, there, I believe there is a connection. I'd like to suggest that the success is more about the obedience rather than the outcome. It is more about the obedience than the outcome. Joshua is given a final confirmation. Be strong and courageous. It's a word I'm getting uh, stumbled on. God promises to be with him wherever he goes many of us know the ending of our joshua story and he lives as a man of the word and here's some examples as we go through the book he not only obeys the written word he continues to declare it in joshua 3 god gives instruction regarding the crossing of the jordan river joshua obeys as they finish the crossing of the river and he establishes a sign, taking some rocks and builds a sign of these stones from the river to be a sign for the next generation. He obeys the word of the Lord as God continues to speak to Joshua throughout this time. After crossing the Jordan, they eventually get to uh, the Gilgal. The Lord then speaks to Joshua again. And he says, this time instruct the people, men in specifically, to be circumcised. This is obedience with Torah. And there's an explanation there that as they left Egypt, circumcision had been uh, forgotten for those 40 years. So now was a time to obey Torah. And so bringing that back, Joshua obeyed the written word. Then we read of the Israelites again in uh, Joshua 5, 
where they did not only circumcision, but then they celebrated Passover. Again, which Moses had written down for them to do. This is in God's word. Moses obeyed. Starting with Jericho, we read how Joshua and Israel had success when they obeyed God. After the destruction of A, the second attempt, I might add. Recall the first attempt? Achan disobeyed God. After defeating Jericho, he took some of the plunder, and, uh, which they were told not to because that was the Lord's. Uh, and then they went to go on to defeat the next town, and they got defeated. Israel got defeated. And God revealed what was going on. Someone had disobeyed. But after this, in Joshua chapter 8, verse 31, he built it according to, he, and that is it, he built an altar to give thanks to God. He built it according to what is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of uncut stones on which no iron or tool had been used. In verse 32, in the presence of the Israelites, Joshua wrote on stones a copy of the law of Moses. He obeys the instruction given by Moses in Deuteronomy, verse 20, uh, chapter 27, where Moses said, Keep all these commands I give you today. When you have crossed the Jordan in the land the Lord your God has given you, set up some large stones, coat them with plaster, write on them all the words of the law when you've crossed over to enter the land the Lord your God has given you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. And when you have crossed over the Jordan, set up these stones on Mount Ebal as I command command you today and coat them in plaster. In verse 8, and you shall write very clearly all the words of this law on these stones you have set up. After writing on these stones, in verse 34, Joshua read the words of the law, the blessings and the curses, just as it is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded that Joshua did not read to the whole assembly of Israel. And you get this, who was there? Including the women and children and the foreigners who lived among them. So Joshua was not only obeying, He's now, in his obedience, he's proclaiming it to the next generation. He's living it out and speaking it to the ones he is leading. And who who was this book for? Who was the law for? Who was the Torah, the direction, the one way to live for? Everyone. All the Israelites, men, women, and children. But not only that, it was for the foreigners. While Israel was clearly instructed not to deviate and go of the way of the other nations in the land, there's a clear instruction here that the others were able to join Israel. This law was for them as well. You can read through the rest of Joshua, of all the conquests that happened through uh, the promised land, of the allocation of the land to the tribes. And then as we get to the end, uh, chapter 22, the, uh, the eastern tribes, they decided they wanted to live on the east side of the river. And so their instruction was they had to come across, the men had to come across and fight, help with the rest of the conquer of the land. And when that was complete, they could return back 
to their home. And so here we are in verse, uh, chapter 22, verse 5, where these people have done, they've, they've fulfilled this promise and they're about to return. And Joshua says, be very careful to keep the command and the law that Moses, the servant your Lord, gave you to love the Lord your God to walk in obedience to Him, to keep His commands, to hold fast to Him and to serve Him with all your heart, with all your soul. Joshua echoes the words in Deuteronomy 6.5, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your strength. Joshua, at the end of his life now, in chapter 23, as he talks to Israel, He says, be very strong. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. Sound familiar? Joshua continues and appears to provide specific details on what this turning to the right and the left is referenced to. Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down by them. Invoke the names, swear, serve, bow down are four expressions of worship. As mentioned earlier, foreigners are welcome to join and worship the one true God of all creation. But Israel is warned to be in clear obedience and to follow the way, the Torah, the law is to worship the one true God, Yahweh. In verse 8, but you to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. Stand firm as you have done. He encourages them. He finishes with an encouragement. You've been doing this. Well done. Now keep doing it. Look what God has done as you've obeyed, so keep doing it. Can I just say to you, listen, many of you have been faithful following God's word. Yes, not without our challenges, but as we go through those valleys, even though I walk to the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil because God is with me. He is with me. Continue in what you have been taught. Continue in what you have learned. You're standing firm. Look at what God has done. Look at your life back 5, 10, 15 years ago to where you are now. The blessings of God are on your life. I just feel like encouraging you, some of you, many of you, all of you with that just right now. Be encouraged. Continue in God's word. Verse 9. The Lord has driven out before you great and powerful nations. To this day, no one has been able to withstand you. One of you routes a thousand because the Lord your God fights for you as just as he promised. So be careful to love the Lord your God. Affirming the success of entering the promised land through the Lord, Joshua connects it back to the fundamental rules of Torah. In verse 11, so be careful to love the Lord your God. To obey the book of the law is to love God. Jesus taught something similar. John 14, 23. 
Anyone who loves me obeys my teaching. Joshua, a man of the word. He shows the importance of, of God's word in our life as Israel enter into their promised land. Or as some talk about in Joshua as well, entering into the promised land was to enter into rest. Joshua 1 verse 13, Remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you after he said, The Lord your God will give you rest by giving you this land. And then chapter 22 verse 4, Now that the Lord your God has given them uh, rest as he promised. The rest is from God. God promised, God provided. And the rest is a result of obeying the book of the law. I'm reminded of the passage in Hebrews. When I read about this rest, Hebrews 4, 8 to 13. For if Joshua, remember Joshua means salvation is the Lord, had given them rest, for if, say, for if God would not have spoken later about another day. So while this was rest, it, it was temporal. God speaks about another rest. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did for him. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. We can enter this rest. Let us make effort to enter this rest. This is not the temporal rest of the promised land. Joshua provided a way into temporal rest. The Lord is our salvation. The Lord our salvation. But our eternal rest is conquered through Jesus Christ. Jesus, the Lord, is our salvation. The writer of Hebrews continues in verse 12. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even in dividing the soul and spirit joints and marrows. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Nothing is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. In verse 11 it says, Let us enter that rest so that we will not perish by their disobedience. Then the next verse, verse 12 For the word of God is alive and active. Perish disobedience. How do we enter God's rest? Obedience to the word of God. God's word is alive. It's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It needs to be alive and active in your life. You know, Paul tells us in Timothy 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture... Is God breathed? All scripture is God breathed. I want you to try something right now. I want you to say out loud the word of God is alive. All right, come on, listen. The word of God is alive. Okay. I want you now to say the word of God is alive, but 
You are not allowed to let any breath pass through your mouth. Go. No, you let breath go. What was that? You can't speak it if there's no breath. I set you up for failure, sorry. That's not a good, that's not a t- good teaching thing here. Don't set people up for failure. It's a scientific fact. You cannot speak without breath. It's our breath that passes through our vocal cords while our muscles change the shape of our vocal cords to give us all the different sounds. It's the breath that calls the vibration, which then creates the sound. So without breath, we can't speak. It's the breathing in our talking that makes it hearable. It's the breath that makes it alive. I want to declare to you today that we know, we just read, Paul tells us, this is God breathe. The Spirit breathed into. When he inspired the authors to write down what was required for us to live a godly life today. This book, the words in this, if I can say this way, there's nothing in really these words. When this book sits next to my bed closed or on the bookshelf or under the bed, when it sits closed, it's just a dead book. But it's not until we allow the Spirit who breathed in to breathe out that it comes alive. And how do we allow the Spirit to breathe out? We're opening up and reading it. Begin to read, look, meditate. Allow the Spirit to breathe in, breathe out. As you read God's Word, it becomes alive. It becomes active in your life. I love that idea of active there, sharper than a double-edged sword. It's powerful. You know, a great movie I used to, used to teach people. I, sh- I should teach this again. I've fallen away from some of my original teaching. Lisa probably knows this. But I, I, I firmly believe every Christian, every Christian needs to watch The Princess Bride. It's just a fundamental. And uh, there's this great sword fight, Indigo Montore. And uh, yeah, hello, my name is Indigo Montore. You kill my father. Prepare to die. And uh, there's this great sword fight. And uh, he, he trained himself to become a master swordsman. In fact, in the book, I love it so much, uh, Lisa, Lisa bought us the book. And um, it tells us that he's not just a master. Apparently, in sword fighting or uh, swords craft, the, the highest level is known as a wizard. He was that good with the sword. He was at the top, known as a wizard. And... Uh, his purpose was revenge. Now, I'm not saying that as our purpose, but he became a great swordsman. Jesus was a great swordsman. When he went out in the desert, in the wilderness, for those 40 days, Satan came to tempt him. Hey, hey, turn these stones into, into, into bread. He quotes scripture. Do not, oh, I've forgotten exactly what it says. Bread alone, that's it. That's where I was going to get it. Man does not live on bread alone. Then, then Satan takes him up to the temple. Cast yourself down. Satan gets a bit smart. I hear your scripture now. Does, doesn't your word say that God will protect you? Jesus goes, do not tempt or put the Lord your God to the test. 
another blow. And then he shows him all of creation. Hey, hey, just, just, just bow down. Just bow down to me. I'll give it all. I'll just step away. Worship the Lord your God. He was a master swordsman. Then the final blow. The final blow. He's hanging on the cross. And he cries out, Psalm 22, I think it is. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The death blow at the end. He was a master swordsman. He knew his sword. He understood it. It was in him. He lived it. And he was the written word. The word became flesh. This book is so powerful. It leads away to salvation. Disciples, followers, we are followers. We are the people of God. We need to be people of the word. Read it. Write it down. Speak it. Remember it. Obey it. Live it. Teach it. This is God's word. It needs to be a habit in our life, along with others, prayer, fasting, giving, hospitality. These things, we need to be some things that we practice. But we learn a lot of these from reading God's word. And Joshua was a man of the word. The first generation to have the written word. I want to finish by getting practical. What do we do now? Well, number one, I'm going to say find a translation you can read. I remember a story, a friend of mine was struggling. I perceived they were struggling in their faith. And I, I after some conversation, asked them, how, how's the word going with you? Because I believe how well the word goes in you is how well you go. How's your Bible reading going? And they go, oh, it's, it's not great. In fact, I just don't get the translation I'm reading. I just don't understand it. I said, all right. Next time we are at church, our church had a bookstore. I grabbed that person. I said, come with me. And they kind of, oh, all right. Walked in the bookstore, and we pulled out several translations. I go, right, check them all. And they go, oh, I think this one. I said, all right, I'm buying it. I bought it. I said, right, hard to read is not an excuse anymore. So they're still following God today. I believe it. I believe having the word in our lives is important. Second, make a plan. Make a plan to read it. Uh, decide whether you go through book by book, whatever that might be. We have, it's a church, we have a bookmarks with a yearly Bible reading plan you can follow. We just did for our youth group the book of Mark as a plan. And I was excited when the first person to show me their bookmark was Caleb Hosking. He, was, he finished before, about three weeks before. And then just, just beat Brianna. She was that week, I get a text message. You know, so that, I was excited. People getting into their word. Make a plan. Read it. You can sign up for things online. You can use your version Bible app. Get plans on that. You get daily emails. Do things. Get a devotional book. Make a plan. And I'm actually then a fan of my next point here, and I'm going to get someone up to help me, is to follow a method. And the method that we've taught the young people is soap. Because a bit of soap each day helps keep, keep you clean. And as we talked about this, one person kind of gone, oh, this is what I got taught at school. So I'll ask Angela, would you come up here and tell us how soap works so that we can learn how to help keep us clean by using a little bit of soap every day?
So soap journaling is a way of journaling which makes you properly think about the passage that you read and it's an acronym for scripture, observation, application and prayer. So recently I've been doing a soap journal every day working through different passages of the Bible. So we've been doing the Youth Word Challenge in youth which we've been reading through the Book of Mark and I also do it at school too. Um, So each section of your soap journal, you write down and reflect on different aspects of the passage. So scripture is where you focus on the scripture itself and write down any verses or statements which stand out to you and put it in your own words. Observation is where you look at what is happening in this particular time in the Bible and its context. You can write down any key verses, themes and ideas which stand out to you as well as something which might have challenged you or you found confusing. Application is where you apply what is happening in the scripture to your life. How does the scripture reflect your current thoughts and relationships? And how does the scripture call you to respond? And the last one is prayer. This is where you write down a prayer reflecting on the passage or anything you might be thinking about. What, is, what are you saying to God and what is God saying to you? Thanks, Angela. So, soap. Use some soap each day. And lastly, just do it. Use those if you'd like to come up. There's no excuses now. There's translations out there that you can read. We all can read. This is where Nike got one thing right. Just do it. Make a plan. Follow a method. Do something. Get into God's word. We are people of the word. God's word leads to rest. Not a temporal rest, eternal rest. Rest in Jesus Christ. The written word reveals the living word. The logos in John who became flesh, the Word who became flesh and dwelt among us. I don't know where everyone is today. And maybe some of you have not entered that eternal rest. But we want to give you that opportunity this morning. All it requires is for you to believe. Believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That He came down, lived amongst amongst us, died on a cross, rose again on the third day. That he is the Son of God. Repent. Turn away from the way you were going to the direction, the one way that you need to go, that God has called us to go. That act of turning around is to repent. And then accept Jesus. Accept him as your leader, as your Lord, your Savior, your boss. I need you, Jesus. I can't do it without you. Can we just have all heads bowed right now, eyes closed? You know, if you're here this morning, you haven't accepted Jesus or entered into that eternal rest before, I want to invite you right now, make that decision. And if you could just do by lifting up your hands so we can see you and we can pray with you. Is there anyone here who says, yeah, I haven't entered yet and I would like to 
enter this rest. I'd like to accept Jesus and follow him from this day on. Anyone here this morning? This morning, my devotions took me to Jeremiah 23, 29. Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces? I believe this morning that for some of you, there's been some false information, some false declarations, some false promises declared. And you need to allow God's word that is like a fire to come in and burn up those false understandings, those false thoughts. Or God's word to come in like a hammer and smash those obstructions in your life like a hammer. Let God's word bring rest in those situations, bring peace, bring deliverance. For nothing's hidden from God's word. He's able to penetrate into the deepest part of who we are. The very cause of what is causing you to be in that situation. How well goes the word in you is how well you go. Just as we sing this last song, if you're facing a challenge or you feel you're drifting away, I want to encourage you, why don't you come down the front here and allow some of us leaders just to stand with you and pray with you and declare God's word over you this morning.